What's going on, everybody? This is Coach Cahill, host of the Coach Cahill Podcast, and this is the first installment of what we'll start to call our Saturday Reflection. This is kind of where we take stock of all the questions and trends that we've noticed and feedback from the podcast shows throughout earlier in the week or things that we've seen on Twitter or across the college sports landscape as well. So uh, today, what we're going to talk about is the top 10 things you need to be doing as a recruit. And it's important to understand that there's a ton of tools from a ton of very well-intentioned people designed to try to help you play where you want to play at the next level. There is no single one tool that is going to help you play college football. There are just tools that you can stack on top of one another. There's no magic pill or wand that's going to guarantee that you get to a certain place. Um, But there are ways by using these various tools to increase the likelihood that a coach will say yes to you than if you did not do those things. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ta- take you through probably what I think is the top 10 things in no particular order that a recruit and their families and maybe their high school coaches could focus on that might give you the best possible chance for a coach to say yes to you. So number one, grades. Everything else is easier if you have great grades. Grades grease the doorway for you to get into the school. College coaches can only say yes to so many guys that fall below their school's stated GPA threshold. And typically, that's not going to be you. There are occasionally guys and players whose talent creates such a tsunami of awe and shock that college coaches will find any excuse to say yes to them regardless of their GPA. Odds are that's not going to be you. And it's not a bad thing. It's just statistically, it's probably not going to be you. So the difference between a 2.5 GPA and a 2.7 or a 2.9 versus a 3.0 or a 3.4 versus a 3.5 is is astronomical, not only in terms of schools that can just look at you in general, but in terms of the academic money that a college can open up for you. Um, So not only is it going to help your athletic stock, it's going to help your financial situation out as well if it comes between you and going to a particular hype camp or ranking camp the summer going into your senior year versus taking more SAT courses to boost you from like a 1250 to a 1300 the greater ROI is probably going to be on the SAT so most schools will say transcript first, tape second. The better your grades are, the easier everything else is going to be throughout the college process in general. The second thing is what I call the eyeball test. Now, for better or for worse, you have to look like a college football player. Everybody's bigger at the next level. Everybody's faster at the next level. And it doesn't matter if it's NAIA, JUCO, D3, D2, D1. Everybody's bigger. And so while you might make some moves or you might be really fast or you might be able to hit some throws or kicks that a Division One level athlete could do, if you don't look like a Division One level athlete on the field, they're going to kind of scratch their heads and go, yeah, okay, he can do that, but can this kid survive a tackle and not get hospitalized? So the eyeball test just comes down to really your weight room habits, your sleep habits, your hydration habits, um, your 
um, your commitment to getting stronger in the off season. Most kids in high school are going to hit their growth spurt at some point, and you only have to look at a weight consistently. I'm being sarcastic there, obviously. You know, if you do anything consistently with the weights in high school, you're going to get bigger. You're going to get stronger. And the eyeball test, while everybody's genetics are somewhat different, you don't need to have a blessed set of genes to show up from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. every day to get your work in. So grades and then the eyeball test. The third thing is be the best team player possible. I've never heard a high school coach say, man, this kid just keeps asking to do too much for us. Oh, he's working too hard. Oh, his grades are too high. Oh, he's doing too much to help the team. Maybe you're a kicker and you only kick. Well, maybe you could be scout team quarterback. Maybe you could be a scout team wide receiver. That's one of the best ways for you to curry favor with your high school coach and to show that you're a team player is to spend time on scout team. Don't don't take off plays on special teams, especially if you're the starter. College coaches love to ask high school coaches' opinions on their players. Does this kid volunteer on scout team? Is he willing to do whatever it takes for the team? Um, so that is one of the easier ways for you to stand out as well. I don't think a lot of high school families or players quite understand how important their high school coach's opinion might be in this whole process. Four is looking at ranking camps. So ranking camps are just a measure of potential. There's no magic bullet. Even the guys that are number one through 20 in a particular position, those guys still have to drive a lot of their own recruiting. It's not like you have Nick Saban knocking on the door for most of these guys. Um, if a ranking camp gets you a ranking that gets a college coach to tap follow on Twitter, and you can now talk to that coach, it was probably worth it. The rewards for the rankings for the guys that are you know top 30 or 20 are disproportionately higher than the rewards for the guys who are in the bottom two-thirds. Um, I think the ranking camps are probably the most useful for uh, sophomores or juniors, especially if you are going to, especially if you're an FBS um, kid or if that's where you're trying to go. Um, typically, FBS schools are going to recruit two or three years ahead of time. Um, if you're a rising senior, I, I don't think it's going to do much for you that late in the game. Number five is college-run recruiting camps. These should be prioritized over ranking camps, in my opinion. This is where you actually get a chance to get onto a campus, to talk to a coach, to schmooze with them, to get a feel for what it's like to play for them. And yes, while you want to perform well at these camps, the, the real ROI is in leaving camp with a set of contacts of coaches you can follow up with who are going to know who you are. These camps are typically anywhere from 50 to 150 bucks, but the ROI, I think, is maybe 10x on the college-run recruiting camps versus the ranking uh, private camps. Number six, Twitter. Twitter is basically your living resume for football. You should not be retweeting stuff about flat earth theory or politics or cursing or whatever. Keep that stuff private with your buddies. Twitter is like LinkedIn for college football recruiting, and I don't know exactly how it happened, but somehow it's turned into the de facto recruiting app. Um, you want to keep that thing clear. You want to have all of your contact information, your grades, your athletics, your position, your graduation year, your real name, all in your profile. <clears throat> Number seven, the first thing a college coach is going to ask you to do is to fill out the recruiting questionnaire. 
Now, it seems mundane and monotonous, but this is how you get all your information into their system. What typically happens after you fill out a recruiting questionnaire is that all of your information gets sent in an email to the position or the area recruiting coach for your hometown. Once you've filled out the recruiting questionnaire, now they've got all your information in the system. But you can kind of head off the college coaches at the pass by telling them you already filled out this information. So just make sure you're doing it. If you show that, you know, why would I recruit you if you're not going to take 15 minutes to fill out a recruiting questionnaire? Okay. Um, number eight, always follow up with some type of email thanking a coach after a camp or f after you filled out the recruiting questionnaire. I think the art of the follow-up is often lost on a lot of people, adults and young people included. Um, I don't have any particular study on this, but I can say that I've never gotten a, a job that I haven't sent a handwritten thank you letter to the interviewer after. Um, you know, remember, college coaches, they know a lot of people. They know probably the guys that are recruiting you as well from other schools. You want to leave as positive an impression about you as possible. Number nine. You want to try to knock college coaches off of canned responses. These guys receive thousands and thousands of emails every week and communications that they just can't get back to. So what ends up happening is they to reduce the cognitive load, you just get these kind of canned responses or an automated email, um, or you might get a graphic on Twitter DM. Right? Any communication you get like this, you want to follow up and just say, hey, coach, this is awesome. I'd love to hop on a quick call for you know two or three minutes just to ask you more information about your summer camp. That's all. Um, and that's kind of how you start to build a relationship with these college coaches. Um, number t 10, always ask permission before you tweet something out. Yes, college coaches totally understand that you have to self-market to create FOMO, to create interest, to drive your recruiting. and They, they all get that. It's not, not a big deal. Um, but what you should always do is, and even if 98% of college coaches are cool with this, just ask anyway. Just ask permission. Hey, coach, do, is does this look like? I, is this okay for me to post? Um, can I post this picture of us, coach? Could I post that you offered me, or would you like me to wait a couple weeks on that? Most are going to be cool with it, but it's just a way to communicate respect to these guys. Okay, so the, or again, there's no one single tool that's going to magically solve all your recruiting problems. But there are things that you can do to make it more or less likely that the school of your choice is going to say yes to you by stacking these things on top of one another. Which thing eventually works? It's going to be different for every guy. Some guys are going to say that that ranking can't really help me. Other guys are going to say, hey, that random Twitter DM really helped me. That's the thing that I did. Other guys will say my grades definitely helped me. It's going to be different for everybody. But I think it's much more efficient and pragmatic to look at your recruiting process as a series of actions that when combined together cumulatively stack the floor in favor of a coach saying yes to you. You cannot force them to say yes to you, but you can certainly do things that might make it more or less likely. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'd love to hear your questions. If you found this at all helpful, please drop us a line on Apple Podcasts. The reviews really help us, especially if they're bad, actually, um, or if they're good. It's just the way Apple's uh, algorithms kind of work, is anytime you comment or rate our podcasts our engagement goes up on their platform and we can go and in turn and find more interesting coaches to have on the show or people or players um, if you know somebody who might make a great guest we're always looking for referrals from listeners or our past guests you just send us a dm at coach cahill show on twitter um and yeah we really appreciate you taking time to listen to the show thanks guys <laughs>